Thank you, choir, for gifting us with that music. In a moment, we are going to hear our scripture readings from today, from Psalm 19. In Philippians 2, Larry's going to come read for us. But before we do that, every Sunday we take a moment to pray before we read God's word, that God will open up our hearts to hear the good word that is spoken to us today, that we might receive it. So let's pray together. God of glory, creation sings of your presence, just as the birds are singing in the trees. And we pray that your words of life might speak to us today. So open our hearts and our minds to receive your good word. We pray this in the name of your Son, Jesus Christ. Amen. I think Larry might be a little bit taller than me. first scripture reading is from Psalm 19, verses 1 through 6. The heavens are telling the glory of God, and the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech, nor are there words. Their voice is not heard. Yet their voice goes out through all the earth, and their words to the end of the world. In the heavens he has set a tent for the sun, which comes out like a bridegroom from his wedding canopy, and like a strong man runs its course with joy. Its rising is from the end of the heavens and its circuit to the end of them, and nothing is hid from its heat. Second reading is uh, from the New Testament, Philippians chapter 2, verses 12 through 18. Therefore, my beloved, just as you have always obeyed me, not only in my presence, but much more now in my absence, work out your own salvation with fear and trembling. For it is God who is at work in you, enabling you both to will and to work for his good pleasure. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the world. It is by your holding fast to the word of life that I can boast on the day of Christ that I did not run in vain or labor in vain. But even if I am being poured out as a libation over the sacrifice and offering of your faith, I am glad and rejoice with all of you. And in the same way, you also must be glad and rejoice with me. This is the word of the Lord. Let's take a moment to pray. May the words of my mouth and the meditation of my heart be pleasing to you in your sight, O Lord, my rock and my redeemer. Gracious God, as we spend time today thinking, listening, seeing the wonders of your world around us and the glory of your word, speak to our hearts. We pray this in your name. Amen. 
So as many of you know, we are doing a season of creation, four Sundays. We're joining with Christians all over the world as they celebrate uh, this time to give thanks for the world around us and also to look at the scripture passages that talk about nature and how God reveals God's self to us in nature. We've done Earth Sunday and Humanity Sunday, and this is our third Sunday, Sky Sunday. So we thought it was appropriate to bring you all outside underneath the sky as we worship God that way. As many of you know, I grew up in Nebraska in a small farming community of 900 people called Deschler. To be very, very completely accurate, I actually lived outside this tiny community on a farm. Now, whenever I tell New Yorkers about Nebraska, they often envision wide open spaces, rural communities, and lots and lots and lots of corn. And you all are not far wrong. Nebraska is a wide open space and it does have a lot of corn. It's quiet and serene filled with kind, honest people, many of whom are farmers. And even though Nebraska is not a grand center for our tourist destination, it does have a stunning feature that I often talk to people about. The sky. Nothing beats Nebraska sunsets or a night looking up at the stars. In Nebraska, the view of the sky is uninhibited for miles and miles and miles because the state is so flat. I remember one summer I spent um, working and living in the Rocky Mountains in Rocky Mountain National Park. And when I came back to Nebraska, I marveled at the expanse of the sky because I was so used to the mountains around me blocking my view. And I was helping my mother this day haul in hay bales from the field. And I stopped and I remember pointing up to the sky and asking her, is it always like this? I forgot that I can see the sky for miles and miles and it almost feels like I can drop off the edge of the world. I grew up watching the sky. As a good farm girl, I learned to notice thunderstorms forming 20 miles off in the distance. I knew when to bring in the animals so that they would avoid the thunder, rain, and hail. On a clear night, I could easily spot the Big Dipper and the Little Dipper and the Milky Way. And whenever I do go back to Nebraska, I continue to enjoy the beauty and the majesty of the sky there. Watching sunsets with my family, or watching planes with my nephews as the planes make crisscrossing tracks across the sky with their jet streams. I'm not the only one who's grown up watching the sky. Humanity has been watching the sky for thousands of years. The Babylonians were said to be the first that practiced astrology, tracking the stars to predict the seasons and celestial events. Eventually, they introduced the practice to the Greeks, who then turned astrology into science, and the practice became more notable through the work of Plato and Aristotle. And even in the Bible, we have the story of the Magi, who watched the stars to track their way to the baby Jesus. The sky captivates us and continues to still. In more recent and local history, 
the United States in the 1950s was captivated by the space race. And I'm sure that many of you here remember it. That on July 16, 1969, the Apollo 11 space mission took off, carrying the U.S. astronauts Neil Armstrong, Edwin Aldrin, and Michael Collins. They landed on the moon's surface on July 20th, and Armstrong became the first human to walk on the moon's surface. We are fascinated by the sky, by the stars, by the universe, and I believe this is in part, perhaps, because it reminds us that there is something bigger than ourselves out there, something that's expanding, growing, and that we will always be seeking to understand, know, and explore. There really could not be a more astute metaphor for God. God is something growing, expanding, majestic, and beyond us. And yet we will always be drawn to seek to understand, know, and explore. I am not the only one to say that the skies remind us of something of God's character. Take it, for instance, from the psalmist, who we heard say in today's psalm, The heavens declare the glory of God, and the firmament, which is an ancient world understanding of the atmosphere, the firmament proclaims his handiwork. Day to day pours forth speech, and night to night declares knowledge. There is no speech. There are no words, yet their voice is, goes out throughout all the earth and their words to the end of the world. What I hear in this psalm is that creation, the world around us, specifically the sky in this psalm, tells us something about God. It speaks to us about God's character. Creation around us tells us something about God. No, we may not walk through the Linwood woods and hear trees whispering to us or look at the sky and hear a voice from above. But creation speaks to us without words. This is true not only in the natural world around us, but in humanity. Have you ever held a tiny human baby and wondered how the miracle of its birth came about? What wisdom and power created its tiny fingers? and caused its heart to beat. The world around us proclaims in our deepest heart the truth that there is an intelligent, benevolent force behind the creation and sustaining of the world. Even in our unfolding understanding of evolution, I cannot imagine that God would not somehow be behind it all. This concept that creation, the world around us, tells something about God is not new. The psalmist wrote about it, but also in early church theologians did the same. When they were asked the question, how do we know that God is real, or how do we come to know God? These ancient Christian theologians determined that there were two main ways that we see God revealed to us. The first is in creation, and the second is in scripture. There's two fancy theological terms for this called general revelation and special revelation, but you don't need to know that. 
Special revelation refers to scripture, the Bible, how we hear the story of God being revealed to us in general revelation refers to creation, the world around us. Creation and scripture are two of the ways that we come to know who God is. There's also a historic piece of Christian writing called a confession that talks about this. This specific confession, the Belgic Confession, is one of four that we in the Reformed Church in America hold. And I'd like to read it to you because it's, it's really, truly beautiful. This part of the confession is, is entitled, The Means by Which We Know God. And it states this. We know God by two means. First, the creation, preservation, and government of the universe. Since that universe is before our eyes like a beautiful book, in which all creatures, great and small, are as letters, to make us ponder the invisible things of God, God's eternal power and divinity. And second, God makes himself known to us more clearly by his holy and divine word, as much as we need in this life for God's glory and for our salvation. So we see God revealed to us in creation and in scripture. When you look at the world around us and how appropriate it is that we're outside today, when you look at the world around you, the grass, the trees, the flowers, the sky, what do you imagine about the character of God? What might creation tell you about God? I'm going to give you just a minute to think about it, to look at the world around you. don't know what you see or what you thought of. Maybe something, maybe nothing at all. But through creation, we catch a glimpse, just a glimpse of who God is. John Calvin, who is a well-known Reformed Church theologian, wrote that creation is where we begin to know more about God and who God is. But we don't get the whole picture in creation itself. We need scripture, too, to show us more about who God is. And Calvin uses this really beautiful analogy. He says that scripture is the spectacles or the glasses through which we can see God clearly. Let me read to you what he says in his own words. He says, just as an old and bleary-eyed man, or those with weak vision, if you thrust before them the most beautiful volume, even if they recognize it to be some sort of writing, yet can scarcely construe two words. But with the aid of spectacles, they'll begin to read distinctly. So scripture, gathering up our otherwise confused knowledge about God in our minds, having dispersed our dullness, shows us clearly the true God. 
Calvin is saying that through creation, we begin to see parts of God's character, but scripture is what really makes it clear to us about who God is. Scripture is the glasses that help us see God clearly and distinctly. And it's so interesting because Psalm 19 is also structured with the same logic. It begins with, the heavens declare the glory of God, but it goes on to say that, quote, God's law, meaning scripture, is perfect. It says this, The law of the Lord is perfect, refreshing the soul. The statutes of the Lord are trustworthy, making wise the simple. The commandments of the Lord are radiant, giving light to the eyes. There are so many ways that we can see God in the world around us, one of which is creation, one of which is scripture. But there's one more way that was given to us in our reading today in Philippians. I don't know if you caught it. In this passage in Philippians, Paul is instructing new believers in the Christian church how to live out their faith. And he writes to them this. Do all things without murmuring and arguing, so that you may be blameless and innocent, children of God without blemish in the midst of a crooked and perverse generation, in which you shine like stars in the universe. In a few short words, Paul paints a picture of what Christians should look like, be like in the world. He says to those Christians, you shine like stars in the world. Similar to the psalmist who says that the heavens are telling the glory of God, we as Christians should also glorify God and tell of God's glory with the way we live our lives. We are to live in a way that we shine like stars in the world. And this happens through God's work within us and the power of the Holy Spirit. So this day, this week, I want you to continue looking for the ways that you see God in the world around you, whether that's glimpses in creation or the story of God in scripture, or maybe even in each other as you shine like stars in the universe. And when you do see God in creation or scripture or one another, give God your glory and praise. Worship and glorify God for God's majesty among us. And live your life in a way that tells of God's glory. Just as the trees, the grass, the flowers, and the sky all do. May you shine like a star, telling others through your words and actions of the glory of God. Let's pray. God, your glory is shown to us in the world around us, in scripture, and even through your Holy Spirit in each other. We pray that you would open up our eyes to see you, to worship you, and to live more like you. We pray this in your name. Amen.